Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. I'm going to invite Paul up here. If you guys haven't met Paul, he is our youth pastor at the Mawa campus. Um, so if you haven't met him, please, after service, say hello, meet and greet him. Uh, a couple facts about him uh, that I personally learned today. So he is a Ravens fan, so he has no input on the Super Bowl for today, unfortunately. Um, he is also, is it Taekwondo? Am I getting that right? Jiu-Jitsu? Oh, no. Taekwondo, a um, state champ from Michigan, Maryland no. State. Um, so don't, I guess don't get on his bad side. He can, uh, so uh, yeah, those were the two fun facts that I learned today. So um, yeah, so without oh, further ado, here's Paul. I'll be honest, I haven't heard that fact in like years, right? Although it is like one of my most prized possessions that I do have. Um, but yeah, it's a pleasure to be here with all of you. Uh, my name is Paul once again. Um, if you guys get the chance, also say hi to my wife, Lois, and my little boy, Ezra. We also have a daughter on the way in April, so super excited about that. Um, this feels nice. I ain't going to lie. kind of reminds me of back at my home church. Um, I always grew up in a relatively smaller church, and so uh, with churches that are relatively like under, I would say, like 50 members, always feels like home. It has this like nice cozy feeling to it. You guys know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I mean, besides the heater being pumped out, it's really nice. I love it. I love it. You know, growing, growing up in an uh, immigrant family, um, I was born here in America, by the way, so uh, English was my first language. But when you grow up in a family where they speak multiple languages, words often um, can get you know, distorted. Um, I, I sometimes think about like how I say, I love this, I love to do that, you know, and we kind of throw the word love around quite easily. Um, in, in Korean, on, and sometimes even in Japanese, right? I'm not Japanese, but I love anime, so I, I, I pick, when you watch the show enough, right, whether you watch like a Spanish soap opera, you start to pick up on the language a little bit, right? So I loved watching anime, and so I picked up on some Japanese words and kind of understood that Korean, Korean and Japanese aren't that much different in the expression of affection towards things, right? When you like something, you simply say, oh, I like it, or I really like it. In Korean, we just simply emphasize the very, right? So if you really like something, I really like it. You don't say you love something unless you genuinely, like, want to pour all your affection out onto this. And we look at that, how words across different languages, across different cultures are expressed differently. And we look at the word God, right? A lot of times we look at the word God and, you know, when we idolize something, we call it God. It's, it's a God in our life with a lowercase g. Here in the church, we define our one and only God as with a capital G. That is who he is. In Korean, we call God Hananim, right? You guys want to try to say that with me? Hananim, right? Try it again. Hana, nim, right? The word hana means one. It's how you say the number one, right? When you count, if you guys ever done taekwondo, uh, taekwondo, they teach you how to count, right? Hana, do, right? And the word hana means one. 
So when you translate the literal translation of who God is, it is the one, right? Pretty cool, right? I just, I just, you know, it's funny because when you, when you grow up in a language, you don't really think about it until I was like preparing this message, message and I like thought about it, I was like, huh, that's very cool, <laughs> right? In Korean, we define God as the one. But we look at the people of God and we look at scripture, what is the most sacred word you could find in the biblical text? Right? And it's the word for God. Right? It's the word, as we say in English, um, translated is Yahweh. Everybody say it with me. Yahweh. Right? We say this word Yahweh. However, it's a word that when the people of God learned of his name, it was not spoken. Because the word had so much refer- reverence, when you look at the literal, the literal way that they spell it, it's a word of, sim- of only consonants. There are no vowels in it. You ever try to say a word with no vowels? Right? It's a word that can't be said. Now, for us in the Western culture, we try to express it in the closest way possible verbally, but the Jewish people, the people of God, they don't say it, but they express it. It's a word that's not meant to be said, but gestured in a sign of reference. And the way they did this was by putting their hand over their head. Everybody do this with me. I'm a youth pastor, so I, I require a lot of participation, right? You all, you all don't get participation points. Best one gets candy after, okay? <laughs> so you put your hand over your head, and they simply just exhale. And this was a sign of reverence when we came into God's presence. The sacred word, it identified who God is and invited humanity to speak his name. And this name is identified meaning, I am who I am. And so if we look throughout scripture that if God is the most sacred word found in scripture, then what do you think the second most sacred word in scripture might be? Ah, close. But not really. <laughs> the, second, the second most sacred word found in Scripture would have to be humanity's response to coming into the presence of God. Last week, um, we started the series on the meaning of words throughout Scripture. Words that mean so much more than we've simply defined or can even define in our English definitions. And so today, we're going to look at a word called hineni. And our goal here today is to understand the depth and meaning that it carries. And it's a meaning that we would have the humility to say, my hope and prayer for all of us here today when we walk away, is to be able to declare hineni to the great I am. And so would you open up your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. You can open up on your digital Bibles, your physical Bibles, or you guys can also look up on here. Now, this is my own personal thing. Uh, when I, when, whenever I read the Word of God with, uh, with the congregation, I always ask that we are reading the Word of God. So would you guys all stand with me as a sign of reverence to the Word? And uh, we're going to read this together. Um, I will read the first verse. I would like you guys to read the second verse. We'll go back and forth. And on verse 10, we'll all read it together. 
In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, the word of God says this. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord on the Eli. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Verse 4. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And altogether in unison, the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Um, let me just open up with another word of prayer before we continue. Gracious Father God, we thank you for the word you are giving us here today. Lord, I thank you for the brothers and sisters that we have gathered in this place. Lord, I pray that you would bless them with your word as we just declared in worship that you would give us a fresh feeling and that the peace of the Lord would rest upon us. Holy Spirit, I pray your presence would just come, make your presence known, and continue to break any chain, break down any walls, um, cast out any shame that holds us back from receiving this fresh feeling, oh God. Lord, even for myself, I pray that no words of my own, no thoughts of my own may pass through, but only the words of your divine mind and tongue, Lord, that your word would pass through and speak to your people, Lord, that they would receive it wholeheartedly. Lord, we just come hungry and thirsty for you, for only you can satisfy. So, Father God, come, have your way in us. We lift you up and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. All the God's people said, amen, amen. Give a little, for, I just want to give a little background to this passage. Um, Samuel, he was the son of a woman named Hannah. Now Hannah, uh, you'll, if you read in the first two chapters of this book, uh, in, in 1 Samuel, Samuel, <clears throat> Hannah was a woman in the scripture who was unable to bear children. And so one day while she was in the temple, she was so overwhelmed with sorrow of not being able to conceive that she prayed to God, and in, in her prayer she told God that if you give me a child, I will give them back to you to serve you. And so God answers her request, and when her son comes of age, Hannah brings, her, brings him to the temple to serve. And when we pick up this passage, Samuel is this young boy who's been li living with Eli the priest, serving in the temple. And it's in the middle of the night, and young Samuel hears, on three different occasions, someone calling out his name. And young Samuel, who hears this in a more audible voice, 
believes it's his mentor, Eli. So Samuel runs to Eli and says, hey, I'm here. Did you call me? And the first thing, the first time Eli told Samuel, no, no, I didn't call you, go back to bed. But after the third time, Eli knew. Eli knew Yahweh was calling Samuel. And it was in that moment that Samuel goes back to bed and then responds to God. And the word that young Samuel uses to respond was the word hineni. Now, can you guys all say this word with me? This is the word of the day, hineni. Right? This word means here I am or I am here. See, when someone says here I am, they're recognizing that they are being called and that they are wanting to be recognized. This, is, this statement is one of the most powerful declarations made in the Old Testament, and it occurs 17 times in the four books of Genesis, Exodus, Samuel, and Isaiah. Hineni accomplishes two specific things, right? The caller is called to full attention of the protagonist, right, um, whose narratives will change in a dramatic way. Some quick examples I could give you is the way Abraham declares Hineni, when he is called to offer his son as a sacrifice. Moses declares Hineni when God calls Moses from the burning bush. And Isaiah declares to God, Hineni, here I am, God, send me. See, when a person declares or declared Hineni to God, here I am, here I am, they are declaring, God, I am here, I am in your presence, I recognize your calling. And I want to be seen and known by you. Hineni says to the caller, I'm listening to whatever you have to say. But as we studied last week the word of Yala, which is to know, Yala holds a very relational definition, one of intimacy, and so does Hineni. Hineni was also seen in a relationship almost to like a parent and child communication. In the same way that, you know, just like last night, um, my family and I, we went over to Target. My wife walks away trying to look at some stuff, and I take Ezra in the shopping cart and realizes I don't see mom, and he calls out. He says, mom, mom, mom. He's calling out, and Lois says, oh, Ezra, don't worry, I'm here. It's that kind of similar connection that Hineni is a parent's response to the call of the child, and it's also in likeness and in vice versa, a child's response to the call of their parent. But then we ask this question, why did Samuel then respond to Eli in this manner? Even when it wasn't Eli that was calling him. Because what Samuel heard was the voice of one who already knew him in the same way my son knows my, his mother and his mother knows her son. It was the sound and tone of someone who knew who Samuel was. We see in Psalms 130, uh, 139, David declares, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. David says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your worksmanship is marvelous. How I know, how well I know it. 
And you watched me as I was being formed in other seclusion, as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. See, when Samuel heard his name being called by God, Samuel did not hear a stranger's voice. But he heard the voice of Abba the Father. And there's something powerful about the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of Jesus, when he calls to us. See, even if you've never had an encounter with him, when you do, it is not scary, but it may be more familiar. It might catch you off guard. But there is a peace that the voice you hear, there's a familiarity that you are hearing for the first time. And the only scary and frightening thing about that is knowing that there is a God that truly knows who you are. He knows you as you are. But there's often confusion about this, you know, about who God is and how God communicates. Being a youth pastor, I love playing games, right? I, like, sometimes it, it may be a little too much, right, play it. We love playing games. Um, back in Halloween, about a couple months ago during Halloween, a lot of the kids, you know, they're going trick-or-treating. But for the kids that do come to church, so I had to play a couple, we decided to do like a little game night. I wasn't sure how many kids were going to come out. But we played a game called Sardines. You guys know that game? Right? Sardines, great game. If you've never played it, try it. All right. <clears throat> Sardines is a game of hide-and-seek. But it's like reverse hide-and-seek. Same concept, but instead of everybody going to hide, one person goes to hide, right? So it was my turn to go hide. And so the way this game works is one person goes hide and everybody has to find that person. And when you find that person, you hide with them until there's only one person left. Now, it becomes, it becomes a little scary in the essence that people just start like disappearing left and right, right? You, you, you're like walking your friend like, hey, you stay next to me. It's like, imagine like, you know, Bob, you're, you're going with your wife and then you're just like, oh, I wonder where they went. Suddenly your wife disappears. Honey! So much for till death do us part, right? <laughs> I was, and so it was my turn to play, to, to go hide. And it was funny because I told Pastor Rob's son, Luke, right, where I was going. I, was, I, I pointed, like, if you guys have been to Mawa campus, like the drum cage, right, on the stage, and I told him, this would be a great hiding spot, right? I, I literally told him where I was going to hide. And so I go hide in there. But what we didn't know is that I wasn't just going to hide, like, where the drummer sits, right? Um, being the skeeving, conniving youth pastor I am, right? I slightly pushed, Andrew, cover yours for a second. <laughs> I pushed the drum set a little bit, moved a couple of the wires, and then I wrapped myself between the drums and the drum cage, right? I know, right? Yeah, see? We don't just learn about Bible and youth myth. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so I hid myself behind there, and the funny thing is, in the drum cage, I can see them. It is pitch dark, right? The, all the lights are turned off and everything. So I hear, as soon as they, they say, uh, we're coming to find you, they all come searching. I, first thing I hear is, Luke, I know where he is. They all come running to the drum cage, and they come, they're peeking in, and it's like, you said Paul was going to be here. Oh, I'm there. I see all of you. I hear you knocking on it. He's here kicking the drum cage. I told you, cover your ears, man. <laughs> 
oh, kicking the drum cage and everything. He's here, I swear, he's supposed to be here. And they, they can't find me, right? And they're all scattering around, still looking for me until finally youth group night's about to end. It was funny because one of the parents actually came into the church and was like, you know, when you, when, when you come to scary movies, right, you think like, it's your church, you know where the lights are, right? This parent comes in, turns on her phone light, <laughs> starts calling out to her child, Audrey, <laughs> hello, <laughs> is anybody here? And I'm like watching from the drum cage, I'm like thinking, woman, you go here, you know where the lights are, just turn it on, you know? <laughs> and then all the kids start jumping out, scaring the mom, but then, I know, right? Kids, it says. Um, and, but they're frustrated. And, and I hear Luke saying, oh my gosh, guys, we have to find Paul. Paul, if we don't find him, he's going to hold this over us, right? But I could hear their frustration. And it's getting, they're getting more and more and more frustrated until I was like, all right, I got to come out. Right? So I, I sneak my way out because, you know, I want to hide there again. I don't want to tell them where my spot is, right? <laughs> So I come out and be like, guys, here I am. You know, in the same way, there seems to be a misunderstanding, almost like a theological error that has been made about this game of hide and seek and God and humanity. Too often we look at God and humanity as, as a game of hide and seek. Almost, rather than hide and seek, more like a game of sardines, where God is hiding. We're all out here in the world trying to find him. We've distorted scripture in the essence without realizing that God is not the hider. He was never the hider. God is actually the seeker. And yes, while we may be seekers of truth, God is the seeker of humanity. When we think about the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve, Who decided to go hide? Why did they go hide? See, it's because the the sin that Adam and Eve conceived, what we were left was shame, hurt. And these, these things, like for Adam and Eve, became the fig leaves of our lives. Where we know God is coming. But God, I, I can't. You look at Moses and how he ran away from Egypt. We look at Peter, how he sinned and went back to fishing. We look at David and where he declares, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I hide from your presence? And too often we give these quick answers that seems to dismiss or or miss the enormity of what we learn in Scripture. And so let me share some what may be different accounts and places of hiding but all still have the same origin. We look at culturally, where Abraham grew up in a culture that did not know of Yahweh, yet formed their own gods to be worshipped. We look at environmentally, Samuel, who was a young boy who grew up in the faith, 
the same way many of us may have grown up in the church but never had his own personal encounter with Yahweh. We look at circumstantially, Joseph was taken from his people, taken from his land, robbed of his freedom, and sold off and sent off into a place nowhere to be found. That may be true for some of us here today, too. Or circumstantially, you were hurt. You were scarred into a place where I didn't feel that I can come into the presence of God. And then there are some of us who willfully go into a place of hiding in the same way David did. Who sinned, purposely chose to go against God's commands and walk away from his presence. But it's not just always going to be one or the other. It may also be accumulation of all of these. You know, I look at my own life and how, and my own experiences that I've had with God. Let me ask you, church, have you ever had a dream? I'm not talking about the dream that, like, you had last night when you were sleeping. I'm talking about, like, dreams of when you were maybe a kid, right? Maybe some of you dreamed of making on, so you think you can dance, right? Right? Some of you may have dreamed of making it as an artist, musician. Maybe some of you guys still have dreams of making a sufficient living for your own family. I remember younger when I was growing up, when I, lo- I really looked up to my dad, and so one of my dreams was becoming a father. But as I grew older and I became a teenager, um, I, I developed a new dream. For me, you know, when you think about dreams, right, dreams can come in a lot of different places, right? Mine came from a Korean soap opera, right? I was watching this uh, Korean drama called uh, The <clears throat> Good Heart. And so I saw this older gentleman and the way he was just saving lives at the core of where people needed the most, the heart. And so I looked at it and I was like, wow, that is so good, right? Also being a, um, you know, going through a raging puberty teenager, I was like, man, being a doctor, pick up all the chicks, right? Nice white coat, the, the, what's it called, that scope, and I was like, huh, Dr. Lee. Ah, that's a nice ring, right? And, but even so, I wanted to save lives. Plus, it's cool, you know? And so that's what I did. From high school, I began to pursue that. I realized, oh, I'm pretty good at science. I actually really enjoy biology and chemistry. Some of you guys might be like, ooh. I actually enjoyed it. And so I went to Penn State University, and I enrolled into their pre-med program, and it was okay. But in the same way, I look at dreams, and I ask myself, why did this have to happen? And I ask that question because some of us, we all had dreams when we were younger. Maybe you, might have some, maybe you might have had some dreams up until recently. And something happened where it left you in a place where feeling hopeless. It left you in a place where you wanted to give up that dream. It's called a dream for a reason, right? Right? 
in my own case, I was dealt a little mix of bad cards, but also, like David, poor life decisions. One lie led to a next. And before I knew it, I was, swir- I was just drowning in a swirl of lies. And I just couldn't stop. Friends that I thought were friends were stabbing me in the back. And between all the stress and everything, now my grades started to tank. Financially, now I couldn't afford school. And I was just left in this absolutely broken place where I just felt like, I can't do this no more. And that was probably the first honest truth I, I made in a long time. And while I did go back to, I went back to church, the, the truth and reality of it was, I didn't find God in church. I didn't find God in the community that I was at with my home church or the pastors or the worship. It all helps. But the reality of the gospel is this, is that we don't find God. God finds you. He finds you where you are and as you are. When I was sitting in the back of that, back of that room, I actually was really, really late. They were doing closing song. So I missed the whole sermon and everything. And I sat down, and they were singing the song, Heart of Worship. Right? You guys all know that song? Right? I'm coming back to heart of worship when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I love that song. Because I was in a place where I was so broken that I didn't know what to do. In fact, when I was sitting in the back there, I wasn't even calling out to God. I was just calling out to anyone and anything. And the, beauty, the beauty of the gospel here for all of us that I want to share, first and foremost, is this. This word, hineni, is not something you know. It is something that God shows you. Let me say that again. God, church, this word, hineni, is not something that you know yourself, but it, it is a word that God shows you. Church, are you tracking with me here? When I was in that place where many of us may have been, or maybe you're, you're there right now, whether it's through COVID or the mental stress or just the financial burdens or the pressures of and expectations of everybody, you're sitting there, you may be saying, come in on Sunday when people ask you, hey, how are you? You're saying, oh, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm doing all right, I'm chill. Internally, you are crying out. And God is saying, my son, my daughter. He's saying, Mary, Andrew, Jimmy, Rob, I am here. You didn't call out Maybe you didn't call out directly to me, but I heard you calling, and I am here. I am here for you. I am here right by your side. God is the one who seeks after humanity, allowing them to be seen and known by him. 
And he is inviting you here today to come out of that hiding place. He is inviting you to step out of that darkness and to step into the light, to walk in fellowship with him. Funny thing was, when I look at that dream that I had, to be a doctor, to perform surgery on the operating room, I realized that when God calls us by name, he calls us with purpose. The way he calls out to Samuel and he declares Samuel responds in Amy because God had a purpose for Samuel. Samuel's purpose was to go find David. God called Abraham because his purpose was to find a new nation. Called Moses to release his people. Isaiah to be the prophet of Christ. Peter to start a church. See, the beauty of the gospel is this. God loves you so much that he will meet you where you are and as you are. But he also loves you too much to leave you where you are. That's why God sent his one and only son to die for us so that whoever so believes in shall not perish but have eternal life. He loves you too much to leave you where you are. And so, church, let me ask you, did you ever wonder, do you think God had a dream? Do you believe that God is a dreamer? Do you ever believe in the same way I look at my son Ezra and I had a dream for him? Some of you who have children had a dream for your child when he or she was born and wonder what they're going to be when they grow up. When God formed you before you were formed in the mother's womb, God had a dream for you. And he's calling you into that place to not just be where you are, but to be the best version that he has dreamed of. My dream was to be in the operating room working on the physical heart. God called me into ministry the way I understood it as God never took that dream away, but he said, Paul, I still want you to do surgery on the heart but not the physical, but the spiritual, not in the operating room, but on the pulpit, in the church, in the small group, in fellowship, at the diners, at the table. Church, God has a dream for each and every one of you. And he is calling you by name today to come out of hiding, come out of darkness, to be able to see your purpose in the kingdom of heaven. And he is saying, come my son, come, my daughter. All you have to do is respond. Not in hiding, but in his presence. By declaring 
There's something powerful that takes, that takes place in the life of a person who has been found. They go and let others know that they are found by God too. Church, when you come into the presence of God, your life of shame and darkness and hiding becomes a life, a story of life and testimony. Believe that. I'm going to ask Pastor Andrew to come up as I'm just going to wrap up and close. But I just feel like there's some of us here today who still don't believe that. There's some of us here today that may still have doubts. Well, That's you, not me. But if there's one thing one professor once told me, it says, if you want to dream, you can't dream man-sized dreams. You want to see what God can do in your life, you got to dream God-sized dreams. To believe that God can use you to bring heaven And I believe that there is a purpose for each and every one of us here today. Yeah, this West Milford Church might be small. But there is something beautiful. We look at in the scripture too. That God moved wonders in the smallest of places. In the smallest of people. We look at this this sermon on the mount. Who's the one who brought the miracle to feed the thousands. Not a baker, not a millionaire, but a small boy. In the same way, church, I believe that there is, this may seem like a small place for us, but there is a God's eyes dream forming here and a purpose coming. It is a purpose that is in work And God is saying, I'm going to make my dream come true through the plant in West Milford. I'm going to bring revival here in this this town of West Milford. Church, he wants to bring his God-sized dream through each and every one of you, through your community. He wants to bring revival here in this place. He's calling out to you each by your name. How will you respond? And so I want to invite you guys all into worship. But as we sing this closing song, don't just sing the song in response. But I want to invite you to, if you need, come forward. If there's something on your heart that's holding you back, keeping you hiding in that place, saying, well, nobody can know about this. There's something that I just can't, I just can't. I want to invite you, come forward, and lay it down before the cross. To give it all 
for the one who gave it all for us. And don't let that hold you back from, from the dream that God has for you, from the place that God is calling you. Would you declare and respond in any today? Let's pray. Gracious Father God, when I think back, I always ask myself, God, I always asked you, God, why me? reminded, Lord, that it is, it is because of me. It's only me. You don't want me to be someone else. You don't want me to be something that I'm not. You made me the way I am, uniquely purposed for, for something that only I can do. That's why you don't call out brothers, sons, daughters, but you call me by my name. And I pray, Lord, that your children here today, that each, every one of these brothers and sisters would be able to recognize and hear your voice calling out to them, calling them to step out of that place of darkness and into the light, to be in the presence of the one who knows them, who sees them, who loves them, and that they no longer have to hide in shame and hurt be able to come into the presence of the great I am and say, God, here I am. Take me. Take me. Lord, I pray that your word here today would be a restoration of life for them. A breath of fresh air from the suffocations of this world and our sins and the, fall, the falling of man. But to know that life was given to us by your son Jesus, filling us anew. So Father God, would you continue to move in this church in West Milford, Lord, that you would, that they will be able to see the dreams that you have dreamed of them, dreams that you have dreamed for them. That, you, that they would know that there is power, there was witness. There is prophecy moving in them. That there is revival coming here in West Milford. So Father, would you just come, make your presence known. 
let us declare Nene to you, Yahweh. Here I am, O great I am. We lift this prayer up to you, O God. We thank you. In your son's most beautiful and glorious name, Jesus Christ, we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.